Father, we thank you for you are good, for you are faithful, for you never let me down. And Father, I thank you for no matter what we see, you are working. Fear must go from our lives. Anxiety, depression, worry, doubt must go from our lives. And we thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit filled every void. And we glorify you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, if you believe that this morning, give God a shout of praise all around this morning, all around this room, online campus. Go ahead and give God a shout of praise on there on the online campus as well. You can put a little uh, uh, clappy face emoji. And um, Joel, you, you, you forgot what you were... Like right before service, like, Joel, remember, you got this with Sergio, whatever, and you just totally forgot. But it's all right, man. We love you anyways. You forget, you forget. Man, God is so awesome, and God is so good, and he never lets you down. No matter what you face or see, he doesn't let you down. He's always got us in the palm of his hand. Now, I've said this a lot, and I know it's a dad joke, but forgive me anyways. I think Allstate stole that commercial from God, right? You're in good hands with Allstate. There's no better hands to be than in the hands of God. And the book of Isaiah says that he has carved us in the palm of his hand. He's got us. He's holding on to us. It's funny because people say all kinds of stuff about the hands or whatever, man. But you know that if you look at your hand, it basically makes an M. I think it's God saying you're mine. So God put that mark, you're mine. Maybe it's just my hand that says an M. If you look at, I don't know. I think almost everybody's hands makes a little M there. You're mine. And you belong to God. And sometimes we, we get so caught up with stuff, with the details, with things that have nothing to do with it, that we forget the big picture. I, I, maybe I'm talking about, about just me. But getting caught up with things that have nothing to do with the big picture. We need to surrender our will to his will. As we learn how to pray, as we pray that, that not my will be done, but your will be done, it's, it's saying, God, I surrender to your will. And here's the thing, surrendering your will to God's will means doing what he wants you to do, not what you think is best. Not what you think, not what you desire, but what God thinks what God desires. But we live in such an ego-centric world. I think social media has made us even more ego-centric. I have a, a friend of mine who comes to our church says, I don't have social media because 
I really just don't care if anybody really thinks, I, I don't really think anybody wants to know what I'm eating, right? Like, you know, like, who do I think I am that people are going to care what I'm eating? It makes us so egocentric. I'm not saying social media is wrong, but it can be very bad. And it's brought out or highlighted even more of the depravity in our humanity. Because in our humanity, we want the things that are contrary to what God wants. And we need to surrender our will to the will of God. Knowing that he is good and faithful. He doesn't let go. And he's got us in the palm of his hand. That circumstance, it's nothing for God. That trial, nothing for God. That storm, that wave, that doctor's report, that letter from the attorney, whatever it is, it's nothing for God. The question is, will we truly surrender to God or will we try to fix it on our own? Because trying to fix it on our own doesn't get us to the victory. It gets us more into we're doing our own will and desire and our will is contrary to what God wants. And so I challenge myself this morning, and by extension, I'll challenge you. Surrender your will to the will of God. Your wants, your desires. To the God, is this what you want? We're getting some tile work done at the house. And the installer got there on Thursday and he's walking through these things through me and he's telling me all these different things and I, I, I ultimately, I stopped and I said, hold on a second, let me FaceTime my wife because she's going to care what it looks like. I just want you to put it. So I FaceTimed her and I was like, honey, which one of these ways? There, there's this way, there's this way, there's this way. What if we took every decision and everything and say, hold on a second, let me FaceTime with God. Does God want me to go through this door? Does that God want me to say yes to this opportunity? Does God want me to say yes to this purchase? Does God want me to say yes to this person? Does God want me to say yes to this business? Does God want me to say yes to this thing? What if we FaceTime with our God? I'll steal it from the first time I heard it was Pastor Fernie who said, get out of Facebook and put more of your face in his book. What if we actually faced time with our God and said, God, is this what you want? Would things not be better? Would things not be more smooth? And then we learned how to obey what he says without fighting it. Because like children, we are stubborn. I am, at least. I don't know. My humanity makes me stubborn. But I want to do it this way. I think this is the right way. But why this way? Because I said so, says the Lord, right? Tell your kids to do something. But no, no, just, just do what I said. Just, just obey. And obedience will bring forth that which God already promised. Amen. Come on, give God one more hand of praise this morning.
Thank you, Lord, for this worship team that ushered us into your presence. And we ask you, Lord, just continue to speak through the word this morning. Let it not be me, but let it be you. To everybody that's under the sound of my voice in the building, to every member online right now, and every person listening to this as a rebroadcaster on Spotify or whatever platform we may be on, Lord. Let it not be my voice or my words, but you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. God is so awesome and so good. And there's a big word right behind me. It's the word faith. And the Lord's been stirring in my heart talking about faith because faith is a thing that, if we're honest, many of of us have lost. I'm not talking about losing our faith that Jesus is Jesus and losing our faith in God, but I'm talking about the faith, losing faith. And it's time to get back that faith. And so I looked up faith in the dictionary. And if you look up the word faith in the dictionary, it means complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. As a matter of fact, you all exhibited faith a few minutes ago. I said, let's all have a seat, and I did not notice any of you getting on your knees to make sure that all the screws were on the chair. Y'all, in faith, sat down, believing that the chair would hold you. Complete confidence that that chair was going to sustain you. That's what faith is. Putting complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, what is biblical faith? Go to Hebrews 11.1. Hebrews 11.1 is a verse we've all heard a gazillion times, but it says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Again, the substance of things hoped hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen. So what is the biblical definition of faith? Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. So what does the enemy do? He wants us to lose faith. And we lose faith in a few different ways. I'm going to put a few on the screen here. But we lose faith when we lose hope. Right? Again, biblical definition, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you are not hoping for anything, there is no faith. And there's a lot of us living with a lack of hope right now, especially when you see everything on the news and everything going on in the world and everything going on around us, hope begins to dwindle. Another thing is relying on what we see. I'm reminded of when the prophet is being pursued by the the, the king of, I think of the king of Assyria or the king of Syria, and he sends all these people and he gets there and the, the servant of the prophet, he looks outside the proverbial window, right? He goes out of the cave, he goes out of the home, he goes out of wherever they were on that mountain. And he comes back inside and said, we've got a problem. What's the problem? We are surrounded. Now it's interesting that the prophet didn't enter a conversation or argument with the person He looked at him, and he looked to God and said, Lord, open his eyes. And at that moment, that gentleman looked again outside and saw things differently. He saw the armies, but he saw the chariots of fire all around them and realizing they were more with them than against them. But it took a shift from relying on what he saw in the natural to what he saw in the spirit. Doubt or a lack of trust will cause you to lose faith. Why? Because doubt is the opposite of faith. Circumstance will cause you to lose faith. And why does the enemy use all these things to lose faith? Well, it's for this simple reason. He knows that if he gets us to focus on the natural, he wins. Why? Because the fight is not in the natural. 
So if he gets you to focus on something where the fight is not, then he can advance where the fight truly is. And that's what he wants. He wants us to lose it all because if we focus on what we see, if we focus on the circumstance, if we focus on the person in front of us, he gains, gains ground on what the spiritual fight is, which is in the spirit. Ephesians chapter 6 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So if our fight is not against flesh and blood, what does the enemy want us to do? Focus on the flesh and blood because then he wins where the true fight is. And the true fight is not something that we see with our physical, natural eyes. Circumstance causes us to fall. Circumstance causes us to focus on the wrong thing, and then we fall. So what do I want you to understand? What do I need to be reminded this morning? Faith does not operate in the natural realm. Faith is not a natural thing. As a matter of fact, when you think about faith, it doesn't make sense in the natural, right? It had never rained, but Noah began to build a boat, because God told him the rain was coming. The shepherd boy told Goliath, today I'm going to cut your head off when he was going with him to fight him with a sling and no sword. Right? Abraham, in faith, leaves the comfort of the land he was in to the place that God will show him. Faith makes no sense in the natural. Why? Because faith doesn't operate in the natural. So what is it that faith does? Well, faith brings, or better said, gives birth to what we do not see. Faith gives birth to the unseen. Let me explain it to you this way. There is a miracle taking place that's going to come out. Our sister Isabella is pregnant right now. She's got a baby growing inside. Now, the baby is going to come out one day, and that coming out is going to hurt. And every mom said, amen. <laughs> and every dad who was there at the delivery and got their hands squished and squeezed and whatever while they were in pain said, amen, right? There was a pain to bring forth the birth of that which was inside that you could not see. And as you were approaching the proximity to the birth, you began to be able to tell that the person is pregnant, but you really didn't have the baby yet, even though there was stuff that was changing. And so you go to get these things called sonograms, right? Now, I don't know about you. Have any of you ever seen a sonogram photo stuff? And if you ever had them and you're there by the machine, dude, it's another language. We were just at the hospital with Samantha two weeks ago. They took her to do a sonogram. They're doing this thing all over her belly. And all I see on the screen was I thought they were showing me, I thought I was at like Kennedy Space Center and they were showing me a constellation, right? Because it's all black with little dots of white. And I looked at the lady, I said, you, that's another language. I cannot read that. I cannot understand that. Yet there is someone who sees it and understands it because they have studied it. So let's look at it this way. What if we apply the instrument of the sonogram, that is the word of God, into that faith-producing thing that we are believing for, into that thing that is only going to be birthed when we believe and apply the word of God to it so that then we can see in the manifestation of the reality that which happened in the spirit that we believe by what the word of God said. 
See, we can't understand the sonogram because I haven't spent time in school understanding how it works and what it's supposed to say in the same way that I open the Bible and unless I have the Holy Spirit giving me the interpretation so that I can stand on what it says, I read it just like a book and get nothing out of it. But we need that word to be able to bring that which we do not see into what we do see. It might need the change of prescription. (laughs) It might need an adjustment, a reprogramming from looking at things through the natural eye and the natural perspective, because that's what we tend to look at, at the natural. (laughs) Have you ever been a sports fan of a team that on paper should win? On paper, they should win. But somewhere from the paper to the field, there was a loss. And what happens when there is a loss from what is on paper to what we're experiencing because there's been a loss of faith in between? The loss of what we are putting our complete confidence in. And when do we lose it? When we start focusing on the things we're not supposed to. I mean, if you go to Hebrews 11, I want you to go there. I want you to read it later. I mean, this is Hebrews chapter 11. I'll find it in a second. Verse 1 again of Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I'm going to read through a couple of things this morning, okay? Verse number 2, by it, by faith, elders obtain a good testimony. So when you're walking in faith, people will notice that you are doing something different and there is something that's coming and it's because of that faith. Number 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were formed or framed by the word of God. Word of God, so important right there. Number four, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. By verse number five, by faith, Enoch was taken away so he did not see death. And then it says, number six, something that the enemy knows very well, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because he knows that faith pleases God. So if he gets you to lose faith, he gets you to not be favorable in that moment before the presence of God. Why? Because he lost favor and can never regain it. But here's the difference between me and And the enemy, or me, and Satan, I have become a child of God, and he never can. And you never lose the favor of the Father. I've been talking the last couple of months, every every so often, I talk about Abigail playing basketball now. She had a great game yesterday. They had a playoff game. They're in the finals next week. She's getting better every week. She's the biggest kid on her team. It's a co-ed league, but she's the biggest kid. I was very proud of her yesterday. Um, the team we were playing against, there was this kid that I would like to see his birth certificate. Because um, he was like, like Abigail's tall, and this kid was about four or five inches taller than Abigail. And every time that kid would get the ball, I mean, she would get right up in his mug and in his face. Like she was not, I was like, Mama, I'm so proud of you. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to brag on her for a second. So when I got to the game, the previous game had not ended. And um, I'm sitting there talking to another parent, and uh, we're, we're having conversations that the other, 
And this third grader, it was the third graders that were playing against each other, and, uh, and, and, and they were all friends because it actually ended up being the two teams from the same school, from, from the school the girls go to that had made it to that playoff game. And so they were playing each other. So they all know each other. They're all friends. And all the parents know each other. It was all there. It was all awesome. And the, 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 this kid, the, their team is losing. And all of a sudden, he comes and he lobs up the shot, and he makes it. And his dad starts screaming, Ese es mi Lebron! That's my Lebron! Right? That's what he's screaming. This parent, his little third grader, has just made this basket when the team is losing. They, they have no stuff. But his pride just came out. And every time that boy made a basket, Ese es mi Lebron! And I'm laughing, but, but I, I can't help but, but be reminded of every time that we act in faith, it brings a pleasing to our Heavenly Father. And he says, that's my kid. That's my kid. He kept shooting, and he made the basket. He may have missed another one, but that's mine. It's my kid. Because faith pleases God. So is it just that the enemy doesn't want us to not have the blessings of God as far as the promises of God? Yeah, that's true. But he also doesn't want us to have the favor of God. And he knows that we cannot obtain that favor without faith because he lost it. As a matter of fact, he didn't lose it. He gave it up. Because he decided that he could be as powerful or more powerful and that he should be worshipped instead of bringing worship unto God. And that caused him to walk in a different thing. Faith pleases God. If you continue reading through chapter 11, number 7, verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things that had not seen, moved with a godly fear, prepared an ark. I want to remind you of something. It had never rained on the earth before the flood. Everything was moistened just with the dew in the morning because God had created something perfect. But the guy started building an ark, not just a boat, an ark, an ark, a cruise ship, right, for all the animals. Number eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he was to receive an inheritance. Faith, obedience. Verse number 11, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. Verse number 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And we keep going through these things. We can keep going there. It talks about, about Rahab, and it talks about David, and it talks about Samson and Baruch, and it talks about all these different people who did things, Gideon, all in faith. Things that in the natural made no sense, but believing in confidence in the Lord brought that that they were hoping for into something that was evidenced in reality. And it's time to reclaim that faith. So what does the Bible continue to tell us? Well, if you go to verse number 12, it says, I'm sorry, chapter number 12, verse number 1, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the, of the throne of God. Let, let's break that down one second. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus 
in faith, which received joy, knowing that we were going to have access to the Father, but what he was going to do on the cross endured the suffering. Now, remember, Jesus did not want to suffer. Pastor, how can you say Jesus did not want to suffer? Well, three times at the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, pass this cup from me. But let not my will be done, but your will be done. So if Jesus himself three times said, hey, God, I mean, if there's any other way, But let not my will be done. What did we talk about just a few minutes ago, right when we were ending worship? Let, I don't want to be my will. Let it be your will. So Jesus counted his joy that he was going to endure because he was pregnant in faith that we were going to be able to walk with the Father because of what he was doing on the cross. It was all faith. So I pulled four things out of these verses that stood out to me that we've got to do as we walk in faith or try to regain that faith. Number one, we must lay aside weights. Lay aside weights. I was talking to my next door neighbor this week. We were, we were on the, I said hi to him. He was painting his, uh, his garage door. I had just made it back to the house, and I was like, hey, Henry, that, you're, that's looking awesome. And we started having conversation. And one thing led to another. We're talking, and he, you know, he just retired recently, and we're having conversation. And he, he's telling me that he was starting therapy because his knee and all these different things. And, and, and as we we're talking, I looked, and I was like, you know what? I've got the answer to your problem. I know exactly what to do because he was telling me how the therapy wasn't working. And I looked at him and I said, lose 10 or 15 pounds and you'll be good. Well, you mean you didn't pray for him? No, 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 I didn't pray. I I, I told him what I've experienced. Yeah, I've experienced knee pain. I I spent a a really large chunk of my adult life experiencing knee pain because of a, an injury I had had. And, and every time I would get sore, it would hurt. And then especially as I started gaining some extra weight, it would hurt more and more and more frequently and more frequently. And then when I had a lifestyle change of what I consumed and I ate and I began to lose some weight, man, once I got to that 10-pound marker and 11 and 12 and so on and so forth, guess what? The knee pain that I would have almost every night started disappearing and is gone. I still get knee pain every once in a while. If I go out and I run and I play a game or something, I might hurt, you know, because it's a soreness. But the constant pain I had when the weight left me, the pain left me too. So what is it that we need to do to walk in faith, start getting rid of the baggage and the weight that we're carrying we don't need to carry? And you know what? How did I gain all that extra weight? <laughs> Cookies and cream ice cream. Sarusi, croqueta, some Cuban bread, come on, pan con lechon, like all that stuff was adding weight. And what is adding weight that we then can't walk in the faith that we're called to walk? Well, everything that we're watching on the news, people that we're listening to that only speak negativity and everything that is bad in the world and everything that isn't working and everything that's, man, all of those things are adding weight. And then we wonder, why can't I walk in faith that God has promised me? Because I'm consuming things that are making me fat in the spirit, therefore I am not walking in the agility of faith because the weights are holding me down. So we need to lay aside the weights. Certain friendships, certain things we read, watch, listen to, people we listen to. Lay aside the weight. I'll pray for you, I love you, but I'm not going to listen to everything that you have to share right now that is not going to let me believe. That's number one. 
lay aside the weights. Then after it says, let us lay aside every weight, it says, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. We need to lay aside sin. So let's be very clear. Are we going to become sinless? No. But there is a very big difference between sinning because you messed up and you've sinned and practicing sin. There's a very big difference. See, every once in a while, I get a basketball and I go shoot. Once in a very blue moon. But my daughter right now is practicing the sport. She has practice on Monday. She has practice on Wednesday. She has games on Saturdays. She is constantly doing. She is practicing. And there's a difference between us falling one day and messing up and us practicing willfully what we know we're not supposed to do. Many of us have learned to excuse our sin because of what we've gone through. Now, you can only say this if you're Cuban. So I'm going to be very careful. You can only say this if you're Cuban. I'm going to say it in Spanish and I'll say it in English. Los cubanos son descarados. Okay? Cub Cub Cubans, Cubans can be very shady. Shady. We can be a little shady. Now, what, let me explain what I mean by that. See, especially the Cuban that was raised in the communism that's on the island still to this day, where they weren't allowed to, to have more than one property, per se. So husband and wife say, well, now that your relative was passing, your mom was going to die, and they're going to leave that house, so the state's going to take it, so let's get divorced so that that property can be put under your name and we can have two of them, but we'll still continue living together. So they are finding a way to gain this second property by living in a thing that displeases God because now they are divorced and living in an adulterous fornication life because they're still sleeping together and living together. If you didn't know that, sleeping with a person that's not your spouse is sin. And common law marriage does not make it right before the eyes of God. Go get married. Just saying. So what do we begin to do? Or, 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 when I went to Cuba, I saw this firsthand. The, the area we were in, they had run out of water. They had the, the water only goes every other day to that city. Every other day is where the water runs through the aqueducts. And so everybody on, these, on their houses and on their properties have these huge, giant blue drums that on the day when you have water, you fill it. So the next day when there is no water, you use the, gallon, the, the big 50-gallon drum or however big the, the drum is, right? And so... On the day that we were using water from the drum, it ran out. And so these guys are talking about, we got to go find the water truck. We got to find the water truck. And we go drive around town and we find the water truck. And let me explain to you what the water truck was. It was the guy who works for the government driving a big water container who goes to the water plant and fills it and is supposed to drive to the town that does not have access to an aqueduct to give them water. But what does he do? He drives around the places that is not their day and their whatever. And if you offer him 20 bucks, he'll refill your container. So we then came to the freedom that we have in this country, and we continue to try to do things the way that we're displeasing honorably before the eyes of God in order to have... Th so we get to this thing, and we think it's okay, but it's really sin before the eyes of God. We need to lay aside sin. We need to lay aside sin. Some of us are watching things we shouldn't watch. Lay it aside. I'm talking about practicing it, doing things we shouldn't do. Stop. Taking things that don't belong. Stop. The sin will stop the faith from working. 
got really quiet, but that's okay. So it says, lay aside the weight, lay aside the sin. And then it says this, and run with endurance. So this is what we must do. We must run the race. We have to run the race with endurance and with patience. Right? It, 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 look again, verse number one. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race that you are navigating, run it. Get up and run. Get up and do. Faith requires action. If there is no action, there ain't no faith. Again, Abraham in faith left to receive what God said. Abel in faith gave to God the best of his, uh, 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 of his flock. Noah, in faith, went and started cutting down the trees and building them, and he didn't have the wall power tools back then. In faith, Gideon went and did. In faith, Rahab hid the spies. In faith, in faith, all of those things required an action. So you've got to get up and you've got to run. And then he says this, looking onto Jesus, that's the fourth thing I jotted down there, is we must keep our eyes on Jesus. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. If we take off our eyes off of Jesus, our faith will waver and we will fall. Do you remember the story of Peter? With all the disciples in a stormy night, they see Jesus walking on water. They all yell, it's a ghost. Jesus says, no, nah, bro, it's not a ghost, it's me. Peter says, if it's truly you, if it's truly you, command me to, to, to walk on water. And so Jesus says, very elaborate, come. Peter acted on that word and got out of the boat in the midst of the storm and the waves and begins to walk towards Jesus. And then the Bible recounts that he begins to look at the waves and the wind. And when he begins to look at the waves and the wind, in other words, he took the eyes off of Jesus and looked at the circumstance, he begins to sink. At that point, like all of us, we cry out, Jesus! And Jesus goes over to him, doesn't swim to him, right? He doesn't get into his condition. He just walks over to him, extends his hands, lifts him up, and walks with him back to the boat, and then says, oh, you of little faith. Now, that sounds very insulting, because Peter was the only guy that got off the boat and walked on water. But what does little faith mean? Actually, when you look at the original word, what Jesus said in the original language was saying, oh, you of wavering faith. What happened? When you take your eyes off of Jesus and you put them on the circumstance, your faith wavers. You experience a loss of faith, a loss of power, and you begin to sink. And we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, have you ever gone to the laundromat to turn in clothes? You, you, you give them clothes, and they give you a ticket. Or you go to a valet, and you park in front of the hotel or the restaurant, and you, you, you give them the keys, and they give you a ticket. I've done that a bunch, both things, right? Can I tell you, never have I thought the car or the clothes is no longer mine. It's not in my possession, but I've got a ticket 
which allows me to go and claim what is mine. Can I tell you something this morning? The word of God is our claim ticket. The word of God is our claim ticket. The word of God is what we use with every promise that he has given us to claim that which is ours in faith. Now, what does that mean? Because some of you, if you heard last week's preaching, and if you haven't, I encourage you to go online and, and, and listen to it. I talked very much so about the fact that knowing the word of God is great, but it's not enough. I talked about the fact that you have to apply the word of God. And now it might sound contradictory where I'm telling you, but the word of God is your claim ticket. So what is it? It works. It's both work hand in hand because the word of God without application is nothing, but you can apply what you do not know. See? It's not enough to know it and not apply it, but I can apply that which I do not know. I can't. I can only apply that which I learned. So I read the word of God. I gave you the picture of it. It's the sonogram to that which I am pregnant for in faith, right? That's going to come out. But it's also the claim ticket where I can say, I shall live and not die to to declare the word of the Lord. Where I can say, sing, O barren, you who now have not given birth. When I can say, I shall be the head and not the tail. Where I can turn around and say that that, 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 that he shall supply all of my need. Where I can turn around and say that my marriage is going to last because what God brings together, no man can separate. Where I can stern on the claim ticket and turn it into the Father in application through faith. To receive that which he promised. It's time to reclaim our faith. And circumstance will make us lose it. Focusing and looking at the wrong thing. But the awesomeness is that our father will shout out again when we make the basket and walk in faith. That's my kid. That's my kid. Here I am. Let me respond to his faith. Pastor, but I've been in faith a long time. Watch. Oh, man. God answered that question for you, too. Watch. Look at the word of God. I'm going to go back to verse number 11. Chapter number 11, sorry. Chapter number 11, it says, verse number 22. By faith. Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Wow, that was faith. See, watch, 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 watch. He knew that his God who had promised freedom was going to free the people. So he reminded everybody, when the deliverance comes, Don't leave my bones in Egypt. So maybe it's taking a little longer. Well, don't get desperate. Continue to wait on God. For when those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What does that do? It gives you hope. And what is the enemy trying to do to lose, make you lose your faith? Have you lose hope? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In the minute that you stop hoping, in the minute you stop believing, in the minute you stop seeing that which God says, the enemy's got you. 
because now you're fighting in the natural and he's fighting not in the natural because our fight is not in flesh it's in the spirit so I challenge myself this morning and again by extension I challenge you lay aside the weight lay aside the sin run the race don't give up run the race Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because there's a blessing that's coming. And right now, every single one of us, if we were honest, could talk about what we are pregnant in faith with. Perhaps some of you are pregnant in faith for a faith of having a physical child, but some of you are pregnant in faith for the spouse that has not arrived. You're, you're pregnant in faith for the son or daughter that has walked away. You're, you're pregnant in faith for that, that healing. You're pregnant in faith for that home you want to purchase. You're pregnant in faith for the new house or the, 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 the thing that's coming. You're pregnant in faith. And some of us have begun to think that we're having a miscarriage, but no, we speak life in the name of Jesus. And everything that we are pregnant with, will give birth connected to the light of the word of God because we've got a claim ticket. Let's stand to our feet. Father, this morning, Lord, I repent for so many times doubting that which you promised, for allowing my natural eyes to direct and ordain my steps and my thoughts. Lord, I repent. And I thank you, Father, that you forgive, and not just that you forgive, but that, Lord, you make a way. You make a new way. You do a new thing. And, Father, I declare that we walk out of this building today or tune off of the broadcast, and we're going to walk in faith. Not by what we see in the natural but in the dimension of the supernatural. Not by what we can see in the natural, but by what you said in the word. Father, not only are we going to learn the word, we're going to apply the word, and we're going to claim every single thing that you have given us. And Lord, we declare that we will remain in faith, and we will see it. For you are good and faithful in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship. Worship the Lord right there where you are.